0: hello and welcome to the final Girls podcast where we explore the intersections of horror film and feminism in this first series we're bringing on special guests to dive deep into film and tv shows with witchcraft at the heart of them i'm anna co-founder of the final Girls and your podcast host today's episode will be covering the atmospheric witch film the woods Set in 1965, we follow rebellious teenage Heather as she's sent to a remote all-girls boarding school by her resigned parents. By the way, her dad is played by horror legend Bruce Campbell. Heather has strange dreams and struggles to fit into the school, and very soon she starts suspecting that the teachers might be hiding something. It stars Agnes Bruckner as the lead, and the chilly, always fantastic Patricia Clarkson as the mysterious headmistress of the school. The film is directed by Lucky McKee, the filmmaker behind the cult classic May, all cheerleaders die, and the woman. If you're not familiar with this work, I definitely encourage you to check out those films. The Woods can be compared to a number of movies about teenage girls isolated from their families, away at boarding schools, and explores the power games that emerge from those situations. It's got traces of Suspiria, Carrie, Picnic at Hanning Rock, Evil Dead, and even Jumanji. Yeah, Jumanji. You'll have to listen to the episode to find out how and why. I'm joined by producer, presenter and podcaster Louise Blaine, host of the Kilt podcast, to dive deep into the woods. We'll be spoiling the film from the very beginning, so if you haven't seen it before, it's available now on the MGM channel on Amazon Prime in the UK. Have you heard or seen strange things happen at this school you shouldn't go into the woods it's not safe a door has been opened some girls are different they find you they do tests if a girl gets too strong she's useless to them and fear has been unleashed it's time to put your gifts to use louise thanks so much for coming on again thank you for having me no, it's a pleasure. And, and now we're kind of recording this remotely, not just because of geographical reasons. So wait, the, the last one we did, were we're in
1: lockdown? We were almost in lockdown. We were like, oh, I can't get to London. And now yeah. I could never get to London somehow ever again. Somehow yeah. there's now just going to rebuild a wall. And we're just never going to get anywhere from Scotland now. <laughs>
0: yeah, now there are no cinemas and no trains, no transport, but there's still movies. No Nandos. Oh. There's no nandos. Oh, stop it. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on again. And I'm pumped as well to talk about this particular film. Yes. And I can see by your face that you're also just brimming with things I to am, say about I it. I am. I'm, I'm practically shaking with,
1: with, <laughs> <laughs> with the anticipation of this movie.
0: <laughs> so tell me a little bit about your relationship with the woods. Had you seen it before, or was this your first time watching it?
1: Well, this is the thing, right? So when we talked about the fact that we were going to talk about the woods, I thought I had seen the woods. And I was like, oh, yeah, I remember this. And I remember that. And I remember it being witchy in a school and all of these things. But then when I rewatched the woods for us to talk about it, it turned out that I must have just stopped watching about three quarters of the way through because there are certain things that happened in the conclusion of the woods, which were so batshit insane that I either watched them and completely blanked them out as if I'd found them that they were completely belonging to a different movie, or maybe I'd just fallen asleep. So actually, I've experienced this twice. I thought I'd experienced it once, and now I've experienced the true, I can't quite say glory,
0: of the third act of The Woods. <laughs> so what did you make of the film in general? Okay, so I i love... Hmm,
1: this is the thing, so... The fact is, it's 2006 movie, and I think the thing you first thing you think about when you when you're watching the woods is it doesn't feel like that. It feels like it was made in the nineties. It's set in 1965, so obviously they've taken away all the kind of the modernities of of these girls' lives, so that they can put them into something quite traditional and take them away from the world and abandon them in the woods. And even though it's meant to be a sort of modern world that they're going to, that they're in this amazing vintage car that Bruce Campbell is driving through the woods you know i think it feels it it's an odd film i enjoy a lot of elements of it i enjoy because it it has that thing that attracts us to witch movies which is young women who have power um so it can does that but what i also i I think it's a very odd blend of you know you start it and it feels like i kept thinking of how it was just kind of like hogwarts with milk
0: yes it did have so, big Hogwarts vibes, didn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah. The, the 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 room that they all drink and eat in has like sort of brick walls and it's very Hogwartsy.
0: And also their dorms, which are round. Yes, and they have trunks. Yes, yes, they have trunks. And yeah. also, we get to see inside the trunks at one point, which you know I was very excited about because yes. we never do really get to see inside of them. And I was fully oh. expecting that to be a whole staircase down into some sort of nether witch world.
1: Yeah, holding someone you know who was disguised as someone that they had been pulling hair out of yep
0: we <laughs> just attached the movies <laughs> and uh, were you a fan of lucky mckee's previous films i think he's most known for may and then he's also done all cheerleaders My die so he's kind of very much uh, operated within the genre space throughout the whole of his I, career
1: i've seen um the woman which i find very difficult but i, I it it you know, that that film exists in many places in my head and I never really, I don't want to really watch it again. So in terms of, you know, it's not as severe and as nasty as those, and that in any way. So I actually, I don't have a massive history w- with the director, but in terms of that film, that, that kind of defines a lot for me in terms of the idea of who women are. And I actually, um, I really found that with The Woods, we saw so many girls and so many women that it was odd when we saw a man. I don't know if you felt like that, but it was weird by the, the third act when there was actually someone in the hospital. it was like, that's a guy. Mm-hmm. And the police come in as, as, as a guy. And it was, I find it's um, the focus on femininity in this while I don't love the movie itself. Holy, I, I, I couldn't get to say to someone, Hey, enjoy this on a Friday night. I do really enjoy it's um, it's expression of this is a female movie. This is mm-hmm. a woman's film in which men are bit parts.
0: And could you elaborate a bit on how do you think this works within this? It's not a subgenre, but humor me, kind of this set of films uh, that are set entirely in these female only spaces, and particularly girls' boarding schools, which are usually isolated um usually don't have any men working in the schools either like aside from and i think in this particular film in the woods there's no sort of caretakers or security men or anyone every single teacher and employee that we see is also a woman yeah so and you know most famously there's films like picnic at hanging rock and things like that that are also entirely set in girls boarding schools so how do you think this this fits and potentially adds to that particular type of movie
1: I think at least for the first half hour it I found it, it I found it quite fascinating actually because you you know that you're being set up in that particular way you know that you know you're being introduced to all these characters you know that you are taking someone away from their normal life and you are abandoning them in a in this space and I always find it very interesting that you almost get this kind of there's always the bitch who arrives to kind of take over things. And, and the establishment of a hierarchy I find particularly interesting because it's kind of like, it's kind of like the opposite of Lord of the Flies, right? So you've got this female side of things where initially you're like, oh, of course there's the bitch that's gonna come over and be really mean and try and assert dominance. But then at the same time, like it's almost reassuring that you know that's happening because there would be power plays when you put lots of groups of people together, there are, there are power plays. And I especially thought it was interesting that I think we all kind of identify with that thing of being the new kid somewhere and identifying how things are working. And I think that's always really good for a movie in general, because you have to unpick how things are working, especially when the central conceit is what is wrong with this school and what is wrong with this space. So in that way, it really compelled me, um, I don't like the way it particularly goes after that, but I was compelled. I was compelled by this world of brick walls and the gradual uh, invasion of the school with branches and woods and leaves. And as as the film progresses, they're falling to people's hair and they get everywhere, this natural invasion. I loved all of that part of it. So it's almost like, I guess it kind of frustrates me in a way because I wanted the mystery to be better. I love the idea of girls sitting in a in a in a boarding room and a school room and sharing stories and urban legend stories about creepy things and scary things. I just wish that the reveal at the end wasn't just that story, but a bit muddy. You know, when 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 you hear a ghost story, you don't just want that to be the case. You want it to be a little bit cleverer. So it was almost like I enjoyed the build up, but then when it becomes The fact that it's all just a bit meh by the end it makes me sad
0: (laughs) so let's talk a little bit about the the women who populate this world so what did you make of our protagonist heather
1: so i really i really liked heather what i did find funny i have a i have a friend who when he saw do you remember that cara delavine um amazon original thing was it the carnival row it was called uh
0: i remember the bus adverts for it and i remember mentally making a note to ignore it when it popped up because yeah. it starred Orlando Bloom and I have very little patience for that man.
1: Yeah, so I didn't even watch it, but I, sp- when I spoke to my friend about whether we were going to watch it, he said of Cara Delevingne, he said, she can't be in something that's like that old because it looks like her face has always seen a mobile phone. <laughs> so she has a really modern face. Yeah. And that's what I thought about the actress who played Heather. I thought that her face didn't fit the time. And I know that sounds really weird. There's nothing. She's a beautiful, beautiful woman.
0: No, I but get I, it. I, thought
1: but I, I, she has a very modern face and a very modern beauty. So when you put someone like that into a situation, which is very um, classic, it's almost like people have certain faces for period drama and things. And they do people, you know, you cast a Kate Winslet or an Anya Taylor joy for a very interesting Emma, but there are certain types of faces and she did not fit that mold. Mm-hmm. So she already looked like an outsider. So I thought she was really interestingly cast because she, her facially didn't fit into that environment, which I thought was really interesting. So it meant that I constantly was watching her face. And I also, um, I love the I love the fact that now I'm in my 30s, I really kind of feel for the teachers and the adults in these movies when when teenagers are complete dicks to them and they don't listen to them and they're mean to them and Heather when she's brought to the um she's brought to the head teacher's office by one of the other teachers and the teacher has a she has a tick in her face and she moves in a certain way, and she's really mean and and sort of knee jerks and does an impression of the teacher. And then she feels bad about it, but she does it. And I was furious for her. I thought, how can you not have the self-control to do that? So I love hating on teenage anger now because I feel it simultaneously. That's always been me. But I also kind of have this part of me that's like, can you learn a little bit of respect? (laughs) Can you just be nice? (laughs) I can't be the only one that now watches teenagers and movies and it's just like, gosh, you're such a dick. I must have been so awful. Heard you been saying
0: stuff behind my back, Firecrotch. Now, Samantha, all I said was your breath smells <laughs> like you've been drinking out of Miss McNall's douchebag, that's all. I don't want to kiss you, Samantha, so please, don't ask. Now, you listen very closely, Firecrotch. We have a certain way of doing things around here, and you better figure out what that way is, or there are going to be serious consequences. <laughs> you know, it's really interesting that you pointed out because I thought it was really curious that Heather is kind of a dick she is, like, oh, she she, is. you know usually when we get these um, kind of stories of especially girls kind of the new girl coming into a new school having to very quickly understand the hierarchy the power plays who she needs to make allegiances with in order to survive usually they're quite not wallflower but you know sense. Heather comes in and she is such a mega bitch to basically everyone she comes into contact with, with the mousy girl who she sits across from the table when she's having lunch, to the bully that confronts her, to the teachers, to her parents.
1: She's awful, like Sarah in the craft. You know, she's demure. She she tries to find her way in that world, and then she kind of steps back, and it takes those it takes the other girls to adopt her into that. Meanwhile, Heather absolutely doesn't do that. You're absolutely right. Like she's she's awful to everyone.
0: And I kind of really like that because it's not very often that we get to see kind of uh, female teenage protagonists who don't fit the mold of say the oddball, uh, yep. the kind of the Breakfast Club Ally Sheedy mold of oh she's just a token weirdo and she's yep. gonna be weird no matter what. She is kind of classically fine in every single sense, but she's so angry yeah. that she lashes out at everyone. But doesn't quite fit into the power structures of the school, does she? No,
1: it, she. And it's said twice. The different the bully says you need to know the way things work around here, and then the teacher says exactly the same thing. And she doesn't fit that. And I think, and I think that's why I'm. Disappointed by the way the film goes is because I want that central mystery to be more interesting. Because obviously, like, the she has this power clearly, and they have Mm. seen something in her and brought her to the school for this particular nefarious purpose of the the powering of the branches and sort of being one with the woods and eating all of that and taking all that power away, which is all very cool. Like, I love that stuff, very apostle, you know. But I, I wish that the central conceit was cleverer than the fact that she was powerful because we could see it early. You know, you could see, well, you've obviously been brought here. Maybe that's because we watch it as someone that's watched a lot of horror films. We're like, well, you're obviously this, you've been brought here for this and this movie better subvert my expectations or bust. And it never did the last thing. So that's why I'm like me, no, I wanted it to be smarter than that. I wanted her, you know, to do something else. I mean, she saved the, she saved the day along with a very evil dead referring bruce campbell oh yeah Can we talk about
0: that yet <laughs> do oh, i have to wait God. oh i'm i'm kind i'm kind of kind of keen to make you wait because i'm dying to talk about it <laughs> <laughs> i text you practically in
1: caps, we have a lot to talk about we have a lot to say it's
0: mostly bruce campbell <laughs> yeah
1: it's mostly that chin that amazing chin
0: <clears throat> i mean yeah as a sidebar have you read his autobiography if chins could kill i have not i highly recommend Okay, I'll do that. That's that some lockdown reading. He has a treasure. He is a treasure. <laughs> but going back a little bit to uh, the character still, I'm curious to know your thoughts about Patricia Clarkson's character, the headmistress, Mrs. Travers, because she's also out of the adults of the story, the one similar to Heather, who very much stands out as kind of oh she she's got not just power, but she's got the full knowledge of what's going on, and she's yeah. hiding shit. Well, I love her
1: anyway. I love her in all things. She's amazing. I found her enjoyably magnetic. as is it, Mrs. Travers, or she's Mrs. Travers, and I and I love that she hits her. I know that sounds terrible, but I love that she hits her because she was a dick, and then she hits her. And I was like, yes, you show you you show who's boss here. Absolutely. That's I don't you know uh, that kind of punishment. No, but in that situation, like I. I loved the power that she held and the kind of sort of mysticism of of her. I think she's just a very very compelling actress mm. and I loved I don't know what so there was the scene where uh, Heather's phoning her mum. And I also I yes. kind of I, I love the idea that the woman in her life disappoint her so her mother that this person that she has this complex complex relationship with. She phones her to say please you know I'm sorry I want to go home. I want to be with my friends. The mother said, well, you don't have any friends. And she's having a party or something and she can't yep. do anything. And uh, the way the scene is, is constructed, I really love the fact that Miss Travers was in the background and she was just looking out the window. So the, the scene that we saw, we, we could mentally picture Heather's mother. But then we saw this other woman behind her, all powerful, all still, um, just, just listening and, and clearly meant to be ignoring the thing, but also... Here's your point. I'm proving your point. You're staying in this school. Your mother doesn't want you. And that was a very powerful scene. And I think after that, um, you felt even if she was the big bad of the evil teachers, you actually she was more compelling for that moment where she she's like, see, that's what your life is. This is your life. And I am giving you a better option here than your own mother. So I did. I liked her a lot. I did like her for being a big bad.
0: I also love that the, just visually that scene in particular is beautiful. Yeah. And do you think that even the naming of that character, Mrs. Travers, is a reference to Hitchcock's Rebecca? I hadn't even thought of that. Yes. For, <laughs> this, um, for anyone who's not seen Rebecca, kind of the, there's this really compelling um, housekeeper character called Mrs. Travers, who's also kind of always in the background and always yeah. scheming. Absolutely.
1: Oh, this all-powerful. Yes. Well, the thing is, there's plenty of references in the woods to things. Yeah. I mean, uh, before we get on to the Bruce Campbell stuff, it feels, it it feels like it gradually it starts off seeing a little nod to this and that. Because I don't think it was an accident. The sort of Harry Potter type mm. ideals, and it. I actually felt like I don't know what you thought, but I felt when they were all sitting together, it all felt very British school dinners. It felt very. It was very alien even for a world to come into I don't know there's there there was something about that the structure of it felt quite alien for the idea it was set in America
0: it did feel like it was drawing from a lot of uh cinematic references which ones kind of did you did you think uh, were most incorporated in it
1: oh the most things I I just kept seeing evil dead endlessly I'm so sorry I feel like I should come up with <laughs> endless I feel and like, and also I said it earlier Jumanji is definitely one of them (laughs) and then please elaborate on the Jumanji thing so (laughs) so when she has been uh when she's in the car with her mom and dad are trying to leave the school the the tree arrives in the middle of the road and they have to swerve around that and then they park and then these tendrils of the woods come out and grab the car, which is exactly what happens in Jumanji with those creepy vines with the flowers that come and eat the policeman's car. And it was the same shot. The car went up on its end and then was dragged towards the woods by branches. So that was Jumanji. And then I was also reminded of, have you ever seen a, it's a Christmas movie called Treevenge?
0: No, I have not. But I will add it to my um, plant horror list. It's very short, kind of offensive.
1: And it's about Christmas trees that take revenge on people for having them as Christmas trees. And it's it's not exactly high art. But when you're starting to watch imagery of branches pulling cars into the trees, Suddenly, I thought of Tree Vinge.
0: Um, I mean, I love, I love these references. But I was going to ask you, do you think it also? Do you think it works as a witch film? I think yes. Do you know?
1: I think. I think. I wish it hadn't had all the creepy, weird tree stuff because mm-hmm. I, because I think it works very well as a witch film. Um, and I've got actually one of my notes here says, um, <laughs> just in caps, I love Patricia Clarkson, but next to it um there's just the word herbology because again it's bringing that um sort of Harry Potter reference in but i love that idea of of this school for the for powerful women i love that idea of power and uh, i think potentially what happens when we watch a film like this is we like the idea potentially more than the film itself, because we like what it represents. It gives us a craft feeling. It gives us that feeling of potential unrecognized, untapped strength that other people will will see. And I think that's really one of the appeals of, of witchcraft, isn't it? It's that of that power and having that power to wreak revenge on someone or having that power to control your own life in a way that you didn't have before. So I think in many ways, it it works and subverts that slightly when the when the bully kind of reveals herself to being actually on the good side i love that the reveal of the fact that she's been knocking over heather's milk every time because she didn't want her to drink the milk so she wanted her to stay awake and see what was happening and i like all of those ideas so i do think it works as a witch film with potential i think it's that potential word before it becomes the a bit weird and strange, and doesn't go in the direction I want it to, because I want this group of women and this story to go in to go in a different direction, so I do it is a good witch film, in that way I just don't like the way it goes
0: no, that's beautifully put, and I think you sort of kind of even without using that word, you're sort of tapping into what I was thinking as I was watching it is that the plot is quite scarce, yeah, but the atmosphere that it builds is immense, you know, even just with this otherworldly setting. And also the fact that I know we're explicitly told this is set in 1965, but because of the way the actresses looked, you mentioned before kind of them, not just um, Agnes, the the lead who plays Heather, but even the bully, even the rest of the, the students, they all have this sort of modern vibe to them. Yeah, And to a degree, I almost saw it as this sort of other time kind of like the love witch where you don't quite know when it's set because there's anachronistic elements to it if you look at it as being set in the 60s and there are no anachronistic elements here but it's the disjointedness between the time and the setting and the people and how they're acting and i love however kind of the atmosphere that it's built which is very eerie and very dreamlike yeah. it almost feels like the suffocating summer camp experience especially through i thought heather's dreams which were very um very visceral like you know yeah. very much kind of focused on being afraid and even though she's very angry quite a dickish character yeah. she does seem genuinely terrified when she's left alone uh, with her own thoughts and with her own dreams. And part of that seems this whole environment and atmosphere and these secret hidden power games that are going on behind closed doors and behind kind of this veil curtain of mystery that she can sense or that are oppressive to some degree. That kind of kept drawing me in, even as the plot revealed itself and it was not that. exciting or even made that much sense yeah it was the 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 visual building of it and the atmosphere that kind of really kept me stuck in
1: yeah no i think what you're saying about the imagery especially of her dreams i had i had hadn't thought about dreams they're so they are very bloody you know when she sees that girl sitting on the bed and she is uh, she's self-harmed or attempted attempted um to take her own life in the chemistry lab or wherever it is that feels it's the that is again the kind of visceral imagery of a of young woman and they're all in their sort of nightgowns they're sort of they're all very white so obviously that's covered in blood and that was very nasty and then the idea of people with a woman with axes and all of these things so it becomes there's a slight like carry curiosity there of the, the again that's sort of when women are uh, uh, alone and in groups, it's like the kind of power dynamics that happen and when things go slightly crazy, what happens there and people, that kind of thing. And what I also wanted to say, I'd kind of forgotten, was one, there was a craft reference in the fact that she puts the pencil up. We have a pencil moment. Um, I'd forgotten about that, which I really enjoyed that little pencil moment because I wanted to do that Nev Campbell, (gasps) but it never happened. (laughs) And another thing was in terms of, um physical damage, she keeps hurting herself, which I found really interesting. So she puts the trunk up on the edge to try and shut the window in the in the room because the girl's cold and she falls and she cracks her ankle. And there's very you don't often see in movies people still having the thing that they fell over the day before. They're usually fine the next day. But she limps mm-hmm. and she has she retains that injury, mm-hmm. which I always find much more satisfying in movies when there's repercussions for their actions so when she's hopping along so she's genuinely becoming damaged by the place Mm. i thought that was really interesting the fact that it was it had hurt her you know and and it was aggressive and 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 nasty that way. I feel like when suddenly you see those, when people fall in things or when people, you know, in movies, when people do those horrible things to their hands and their nails that you always feel far more sensitive to than if they lost a limb. It's that, but I felt like I hurt with her through Mm -hmm. that, which was really effective, actually.
0: And we've sort of alluded to it a few times, but the backstory and the witch's story that is revealed to us, what did you make of it? I...
1: I think I felt like when that was obviously it's a really fun it's almost urban legendy. I like I liked that it had an urban legend history to it. Um, so when it was revealed that that was that was kind of the case, um, I think I was a little harsh on it in the fact that it was like well we already know this story and I've already been watching this with that in mind. So I think it was almost a disappointment that that the story was these people were in the woods, and then they had to feed the woods, and it all came from the woods, and everyone was bad, and that's almost disappointing, especially when you make something so intriguing. I think that's the thing. If a twist, or not even a twist, if the denouement isn't exactly as mm. doesn't surprise you, I think I, I always feel a little more cheated. So I, I, I love the fairy tale idea of it, but I just wish that maybe they hadn't told it as a story at the start.
0: I was mildly confused whether we're supposed to take away that Patricia Clarkson's character is actually the the original witch. Yeah, she is, isn't she?
1: I think so. Yeah, I took from that. I
0: yeah. So did I, but it was not super clear.
1: No, I think on purpose, probably to try and make us go, yes, that's definitely a mystery. It's not a mystery.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, I think it's time we talk about we talk about Bruce. Oh my gosh. Yes, let's talk about Bruce. Let's talk about Bruce. Yeah, I mean, there's not even a question there. Just go off. (laughs) Okay, where do we start? Do
1: we start with... Actually, I'd like to start somewhere near the end, which was when he bursts into a shed to find an axe. And it is the most evil dead thing of all time. Yep. And then when the movie just kind of descends into people stabbing people and bits sort of coming off and blood going everywhere. And also that weird grossness that comes with Evil Dead, which came when um, Patricia Clarkson like slices her own hand and then just like empties her blood into his mouth, which he then sicks up in a really vile scene. It, it just, it felt so disassociated with the rest of the movie which had been all those suggestions of wood coming in and the leaves and the and even then you know you did have the sort of crazy CG sticks and some smoke but I didn't really think about those but suddenly front and centre was these almost sort of drag me to hell like grossness which and it was happening to Bruce Campbell it was and it was like I don't know what I'm watching it's just gone he, he's gone from being the horror movie nod that you kind of had at the start of we're driving into the woods and oh her dad's bruce campbell what would what what is she what could she possibly be driving to a bad place to what to total jump shark in some of those moments
0: i did find him i love him yes but i did find his presence at the beginning sort of distracting it's like yeah oh that's cute but oh is that all he's gonna do oh okay I yeah. guess, fine, not very used to seeing Mr. Campbell be serious, but okay. And be a glorified taxi driver at the start. <laughs> yeah, I was like, also, oh, but he seems like a nice dad, that's nice. Yeah. But then, you're right, kind of that sudden, the very obvious nods to Evil Dead, kind of really took me out of the film to a degree. Totally. Because I was like, oh wait, no, 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 I don't, I don't need that, I know that. Just having yeah. him there is enough, but yeah. I really need to have like that element of evil dead recreated because his mere presence is enough yeah
1: I mean that's the thing it's like when does a reference become too much when it takes over the film and I think even the idea that the wife gets yanked out of the car post Jumanji sequence and you see her legs and you see like this, this the, 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 the woods being alive and kind of dragging her out and you kind of you see them killing her kind of, because you just see her legs, but it almost takes you back to the tree rape sequence. Mm. You know, that was the first thing that I thought of. I was like, I don't want to be thinking about that right now because your job in this film, your job as the woods was giving me a a central mystery about are they magical, are they not, what is this school? Not take me immediately to the evil dead where there was tree rape, you know, and that's... and But you got to understand that when you make those as a director, when you make those connections, that's the first thing that people will do. Mm. No, one, I don't think anyone would watch like, oh, this is cool, this is great. And it's like, no, you've, you've literally derailed your movie into another movie and, and the other movie's great, but that's not what I came here for.
0: And what did you think about him suddenly becoming an active character? So he was quite passive for the majority of the film. And even when Mrs. Travers kind of forces her own blood into his mouth when he's in the hospital he's still passive like stuff is happening to him he's not really doing that much and then there's a really sharp shift yeah
1: it feels almost whiplash like that suddenly he's up and about and doing everything and I, i i when he was when it was passive there was that lovely shot of the end of the hall and mrs travers walking into his room and that was great. I really <sighs> liked that. I beautiful. loved that shot. It's just like her and her heels being really powerful and cool mm-hmm. going cool. and getting shit done. And that was the kind of almost one of the most horrific moments is she's doing that and she's totally in control of her father. Um, Heather's being pinned down and restrained and tranquilized. So again, that's those fears of being told that you're, I guess it's those kind of gaslighting fear moments when in, in, in lots of films where women are taken away and told that they're mad and pinned down and calmed with medication and not believed. So all in that moment, that all happened. But then again, for the film to then say, oh, no, Bruce is active, he's running into things, he's grabbing weapons, and he's going to save the day. And that, again, just felt like such a contrast, even to something five or 10 minutes before. I think that's, more. the more I think about it, the angrier I get, because I like so many moments but I feel like they're then dragged away by other bits.
0: Feels like a good moment to kind of discuss the ending. And part of that is Bruce sort of coming in and saving the day. Yep. And part of it is also the the extreme violence of the woods. Pure branches everywhere, leaves everywhere. Yep. And the woods becoming an active antagonist in the film as opposed to something that can be conjured up or something that's just there and holds some sort of secret power what did you make of that of that final act
1: I think from I think again that just went another icing on the cake further of this was not necessary Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know I love the imagery of all the girls all wrapped up in the woods like I like the idea of Nature reclaiming or using things as power again. And it's so good in Apostle. Apostle is not a perfect film, but it's a very interesting film when it comes to the balance of nature and humans and how nature can feed off off humanity. I like that. I think what the final act did was instead of the mere suggestion of the woods being. Uh, a figure of power something that she was perhaps dreaming about at the bit when it was chasing her through the inside of the school I almost thought was like a nightmare rather than a real thing that was happening so when it was revealed that that was it that's the woods the woods are nasty they're going to do x y and z I think again it removed the power from the movie it took it away because it made it I think there is a good way and a scary way to make nature horrible, I don't think. I don't think the minute you say the trees did it, it's necessarily a bad thing. Definitely not. That can be evil too. I just think the treatment of this took it into sort of satire territory, and again, giving it that one-two punch of having Bruce Campbell rescue, save the day, as he has done. You know, with he just didn't have anything strapped to his hand this time. You know, like. I almost feel like part of the reason it was set in 1965 was so that they could flash up on the screen with the bit at the end saying, "And the woods weren't touched by the fire," <laughs> just so that they could say that it's like, "This isn't a true story." You can't, you can't do that with this. I don't. I didn't want to know what happened after this because it almost felt like these women, these girls walking out in the road and being all wrapped up was actually just kind of a disappointment.
0: What do you think is so appealing about? this idea of woods and nature that makes it such a recurring theme in witch and occult films?
1: I think that idea of despite the fact that we surround ourselves with technology and we hide ourselves in houses and we turn on our central heating, it's always there. It's that um, folk horror and witch horror is so good at taking us back to it because nature is eternal and we can go out into it it is in our day-to-day lives and we can we've always got that I think there's almost a childlike idea of the big dark woods you know the big dark woods are something that we can all think of and all imagine as sources of horror I think even I, I used to sit in the back of my parents car and driving through Scotland, and we'd pass like big forests. And I I was always a lover of ghost stories, and I would imagine the things that were inside. And then when movies like The Woods or The Blair Witch Project or all of these things take us in, or The Witch, the idea of living off the land but not knowing what is outside, I think it's that we're all afraid of the darkness at the foot of our bed, and nature is the equivalent of that. So any harnessing of that, it makes it almost alien and ghostly and strange because we can't explain it nature is consistent and while we can live in cities and surround ourselves with everything it's still out there and we don't know what lives there and we don't know what's under the ground and we don't know what's in the caves because it's all a mystery so giving that horror when it gives that a human face and says hi everything's fine and takes you into those places and acts like you're safe and you're not that's the appeal of folk and witch horror. And it will never go away, ever. It, it's constant. As long as people find ways of us going out into the world, like the ritual, all of these things, they all just drag you out of your comfort zone. Nature takes us away from our comfort zone and puts us somewhere horrible and dark and asks us to deal with it. And that's why it's never going to go away.
0: I love it. What a wonderful way to to wrap up the conversation around the woods.
1: Oh, thank you for having me and letting me rant about nature and drives in Scotland.
0: <laughs> is there anything that you think uh, we should have covered or we should have mentioned?
1: I don't think so. I, I, you know, talking about it made me angrier how I felt about it <laughs> because I love how I felt about you're welcome. No, thanks. <laughs> but it made me happier about some bits and angrier about others because it turned out there were bits I was happy about mm. if something's bad. It's easier just to be like it's bad. But when something is interesting you can go in both ways
0: to wrap up and i am not a big fan of verdicts, but do you think this works as a horror movie uh, <laughs> <laughs> mm,
1: can i just say mm, do i have to say yes or no do, do we, we live we don't live in a black and white world Anna. No, we, we live in a world of shades of gray and let's put this, it in the middle
0: this definitely <laughs> lives in the shades of gray world yeah it does uh, Thank you so much. And where can people find out more about your work? Do you have anything to plug? Oh, always.
1: I mean, you can find me on Twitter for all of my pluggables at shiny underscore demon. Or you can find my podcast, which is about true crime podcasts. That's KILT. That's K-I-L-L-T. Add that extra L. And you'll find me on all good podcast services.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much, Louis. Thank you again for having me. Thank you. And that's it for another episode of the Final Ghost podcast. Please do rate and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. You can find out more about what we do on thefinalghost.co.uk and follow us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook at thefinalghost.uk. We're launching something quite exciting in a few weeks, so I definitely encourage you to subscribe to our mailing list. You can find all the details on our website and socials also let us know what you think about the podcast by leaving us a review it really helps you can also get in touch with us on hello at thefinalghost.co.uk follow louise on twitter at shiny underscore demon and i am on anime thank you for listening and stay tuned for more witchy goodness next week